What's going on at 11.15? How are you guys doing today? 11.15, 11.30, I'm so off of my time today. Uh, welcome everybody, my name is TJ, I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, can we give it up for everybody that's watching with us online and everybody at our brand new Lighthouse Point location, man, we're so glad you're joining with us here today as we are in week two of a series we are calling Built to Last. And I want to start off a little bit different today. How many of you guys have ever had a, a mouse in the house? How many people had a mouse in your house? Like you came home and you see some little black dropping somewhere and, and you're like, man, I, I must have a mouse in the house. I remember very early in our marriage, we came home to this apartment we had remodeled and uh, we saw the, the droppings. And so automatically we knew we had to get something to take care of the mouse problem we had. And so we went and we got a mouse trap. Everybody knows you got to have a mouse trap. And in order for a mouse trap to actually work, you've got to have some bait. And, and I don't know who did the research to know what mouses mice like in life but somebody did the research and found out that that mice like to eat cheese it must have been like tom and jerry or something i don't know i don't know who figured that out but but we'd put the bait and in my house where i grew up we were people that we used peanut butter as bait where are all my peanut butter people at come on peanut butter people you, you use some peanut butter as bait for 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 the mouse that was in your house and so you put some peanut butter on there like that you get it all on your trap and i thought man if you have peanut butter, you got to add some jelly with it, right? Because it's just not, just not right to have peanut butter without jelly. So peanut butter, jelly time, you know, we just, you just hook it up there. And then, then you have to set the trap, right? you gotta, you got to get this all to work. And this is always a scary part right here because I'm like, please don't snap my fingers off in Jesus' name. Oh, boy. So you get the trap set, and then what do you do? You go, and, and you put it in some obscure place in your house, like underneath your sink. I'm not really sure why we chose that spot, or up in your attic, because it's not like a mouse can feed in your living room. He only goes underneath the sink. And, and so you set the trap, and then what do you do? You wait, right? You wait in anticipation, and, you're, you, and eventually you hear the little like the, the mouse scurrying in your house. And, and I don't know about you, but did, did you guys ever have the mouse that was able to go and get the bait without setting off the trap? Come on, where are you at? Like, it's like, I don't know how they did that. I think they must have brought a gang of mice with them. They're like, you hold down one side, I'll hold down another, and we'll work together on this. We'll, we'll divide up the bounty. But there was always that mouse that, that apparently he didn't have any friends. And, and so you would hear the shh come in and then you would hear the little bit of biting and then they go and they <laughs> sorry front row this is a Gallagher thing you got kind of peanut butter and jelly on you I apologize Lighthouse Point you have no idea what just happened there but uh, the trap goes off right and then what do you do? You grab the trap and you walk around the house and you show off to everybody. Look at the mouse I got. And if your spouse doesn't like rodents, you scare them with it, right? It's like, hey, babe, what's up? You... And I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about this and, and how it relates to our life. And it represents something in our relationships. And I want to talk to you today about the topic of offense and unforgiveness. Because today there is an enemy of your soul that knows your bait. Yeah. 
Like he knows exactly what it's gonna take to get you to nibble and, and get it here and, and end up being trapped. He, he's like, I know the bait that will cause them not to show up at family dinner because of what their sibling said. He knows your bait. He knows the bait that, that will cause you to get off that dream team serving at church because you saw something online that somebody posted that you didn't know that they believed and now you know what they believe and so you took the bait. He knows the bait that, that that coworker at work will give you, and it might not be the cheese, it might not be the, the uh, peanut butter, but the jelly's gonna get you. And he knows that you'll just come over and you'll start to. And all of a sudden, you're trapped. You're trapped because you took the bait. And this is what offense and unforgiveness does in your life. And here's what the enemy does is he walks around and he goes, look, I got them. Look, I, they're, they're, they're trapped right now. They ain't going anywhere. They're mine. And Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And here's what I've realized in life. You can't have a full life and a life of unforgiveness at the same time. It's impossible. Because earlier in that verse, Jesus also said that there is a thief and he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what it's saying right there is that Jesus has a life that he wants for every single one of us to live. But also the enemy has a life that he wants you to live as well. And it's a, it's a life of bitterness. It's a life of unforgiveness. It's a life of being trapped in your anger and your frustration in life. And when you take that, he's got you trapped. And I want you to hear me say this because some of you, you're trapped in life and what happened to you was absolutely horrendous. And what they did was unacceptable. I'm not negating of that. I'm not approving of what they did that has caused you to be offended in life. I'm just saying, don't let it trap you. Why would you let what hurt you once continue to hurt you for the rest of your life by keeping you trapped in offense? And here's the deal, this life that we live it's almost impossible today with humanity how it is not for there not to be an opportunity for you to be offended. The reason why is because we live in a broken and a fallen world. Like people do dumb things, I do dumb things. People say dumb things, you say dumb things. It's true, I've seen your Instagram page. So don't act like you don't do anything. But there are going to be opportunities after opportunities after opportunities to be offended. The, the question is, is are we going to take up 
that offense. Like there is an opportunity that is out there that like something happens, ooh, I don't like that, and we can go, ooh, I don't like that, and move on, or we can go, ooh, I don't like that, and then we begin to, to dwell on it, and all of a sudden it goes from something that happened to something that gets inside of us and begins to root down deep in our lives. And I don't want that for us. I want to let you know that in a world that is easily offendable as Christ followers, we're called to be unoffendable. Like we're called to live a little bit differently. And some of the things that we're getting offended about in life, I'm just like, come on, y'all. You're being way too sensitive. In a social media world, like you are way too sensitive. Like just relax a little bit. Smile a little bit. Don't take yourself so seriously. Are you following me, church? Some of you are offended at people that you have never even met. Like you follow them online and you're like, oh, that's my boo, that's my friend. And you've never met them and they do something and it offends you. Why are you giving them your mental capacity? So the enemy, what he'll do is he'll keep you trapped in offense. And it's something that somebody said. It's something that somebody did. It's that person that should have defended you that didn't defend you. It's that person that should have spoke up and didn't speak up. I don't know the scenario that is exactly yours. But I also know that we get offended when somebody violates one of our values. I learned this in counseling a long time ago. Some of y'all are like, you go to counseling? Yes, I go to counseling because I deal with all of you jokers. (laughs) You gotta get some help somewhere. And what I learned in counseling is that I'm prone to offense when somebody violates one of my values. And so somebody will say, it's not that they, they did something to me that hurt me. They, 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 and, and so, like, let me give you an example. One of, my, one of the biggest values I hold in life is the value of integrity. Like, I want to be seen as an integrous person. Like, what I say and what I do, they need to line up. What I believe and how I live, they need to be in unison in life. And so anytime somebody questions my integrity of something I said or, or uh, something I'm a part of or something I lead, like when they start to question the church, all of a sudden there is something that transforms. I go from Pastor TJ like leaves my body and all of a sudden some evil spirit comes to so rise up inside of me and I'm just ready to rip somebody's head off. Come on, somebody, am I being too real here or what? Has anybody else experienced that in life? Like me and Vitor are the only ones that experience it. That's good because we together we can beat all of y'all up. I'm just saying. And, and, and that's not who I am. Like, like if you were to, to ask my wife or you were to ask our team here at Coastal, they would tell you that I'm like one of the laid back, most chill dudes on the planet. Like I'm not, I exert more energy on the weekend and I talk more on the weekend than any other time. The rest of the time, I'm just laid back. Is that not, tr- is that not true? I mean, it's like, I am a chill dude. But the moment somebody questions my integrity online, it's like, TJ's gone, the Incredible Hulk's out. Let's go kill some jokers. Some of y'all, I'm getting too real. You're like, I need a pastor to got more together. I'm going to counseling. Help me out, okay? I'm just saying. So they hit my value button. And because they hit my value button, this is where I'm prone to take offense. Like, do you know that you can take offense without allowing it to get down in you? Like, you can allow it to go like, ooh, I didn't like that. 
and you can move on from it. The problem is for so many of us, we go, ooh, I don't like that. And then all of a sudden we start to allow it to dig down deep in our lives and it sets in and it begins to mess us up. And my bait is somebody uh, questioning my integrity. And so, so what'll happen is the enemy will go, ooh, did you see what they said online? Ooh, TJ, you can say something. You should get on there. You should give them a piece of your mind. One little nibble, one little nibble would never hurt anybody. And I'll go, oh yeah, I'm gonna take a nibble and bam he's got me trapped some of you guys some of you guys sitting there in Lighthouse Point you're living a frustrated life spiritually Not only are you frustrated spiritually, but you're stuck in your journey of faith because you took the bait. You took the bait. When we take the bait, we're like what this passage says in 1 Samuel. It says this, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistines, it's referring to Goliath right here after David had killed Goliath, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced with joy, for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And this is why church should be fun, because they had fun. And this was their song. They had a song that they sang. The lyrics kind of suck, but here it was. It says, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous I on David. You right here are reading the account of a man getting offended and his offense caused him to jump to unreasonable conclusions in life. His offense caused him to go from David has killed some people to David is going to take my kingdom. It says from that moment on, he kept his eye on David. Like he was constantly on the lookout for David. Like where is David? What is David doing? It says they kept a jealous an eye on David because it wasn't just a moment with the song it got rooted down deep inside of them it wasn't just a moment of oh they're singing a song i don't really like that song we should get a different beat maybe some different lyrics in no no no. it went down deep inside of them and it's something that for some of us has gotten rooted inside of us it wasn't something they just said it wasn't something they just did it went down deeper we didn't go that wasn't nice i don't like it we go no 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 i don't not only do i not like that but i'm gonna dwell on that for a little bit and it went from something insignificant is something very significant. It went from this to they don't like me. It went from this to nobody likes me. It went from this to everybody's against me. Nobody could ever love me. Everybody's out to get me. Why? Because a root of offense began to go down and dwell in our hearts. So if you're a note taker today, write this down. If you're not a note taker today, Write this down anyways. I want to help you understand what happens when we take the bait. The first thing that happens to us is that it begins to contaminate us. It begins to contaminate us. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting metal. many. Trouble you, corrupting many. 
when you begin to take the bait that the enemy puts out, the trap comes on you. And when you take the bait, a root of bitterness begins to grow in your life. And a lot of us, we don't, we don't really even see the bitterness beginning to take place because it's a subtle process. It begins to root down in, in our life, and it's not something that happens immediately. A lot of times it takes days or weeks or months, but all of a sudden it starts to grow down deep, little by little, week by week, month by no month, and we think this isn't impacting anybody else. It's only in my mind. The problem is that is that you're, you, I've learned that you can't have a full life and a bitter life at the same time because it always begins to filter through every conversation, through every interaction that's out there. It says Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So every time he looked, he was looking through the filter of this bitterness that was in his life. Every conversation that he had, it was filtered through this bitterness. Every interaction with his spouse was filtered through this bitterness. And it started impacting way more and contaminating way more than he realized. And I would say this to you today. Church, if you're easily offended, there's a good chance there's a root of bitterness that's grown down deep in your life that you don't even realize is there. Why? Because you're looking at everybody through it. You're analyzing every situation through that lens. So everybody now is raining on your parade. Everybody now is against you in life. And all that does is it gives you more and more reasons to be bitter. Why? Because bitterness contaminates us. And listen, church, this is not the life that God intended for you. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He says the enemy, though, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out there to steal your joy. He wants to steal your relational connection. And you can't build relationships that are built to last because you have a root of bitterness that comes in and gets between you and every other person. So you never fully engage. You never fully love. You never fully care. You never fully bring yourself to any relationship because there's bitterness inside that is blocking the intimacy that is necessary to have relationship and this is not what God wants for you so not only does it contaminate us but it also hinders us and this is a sobering scripture in Mark chapter 11 it says this and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone you mean my family member that abused me anything against anyone you mean the guy at work that caused me to get the demotion anything against anyone you mean the person that got on Facebook and lied about me on, on things that weren't even true? Anything against anyone. He says, forgive them. And watch this. So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Pastor, are you trying to tell me that when I hold on to unforgiveness, when, when I, I hold on to a root of bitterness, that in my heart it hinders and impacts my relationship with God? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, that's what this is saying. You think that it's only hindering you up here, but it's impacting every relationship around you, and it's hindering the most important relationship you have, your relationship with God. But you don't know what they did. I'm not saying it was right. But you don't know how they hurt me. I'm not saying what they did was okay. Listen, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that if you 
allow it to contaminate you in all of your relationships, it will hinder your relationship with God. And that is not what God wants for you. Well, TJ, I'll forgive them when they ask for forgiveness. Listen, they may never ask for forgiveness. They just might not. Are you going to let their lack of an apology keep you trapped? Listen, church, your freedom is not dependent on their apology. Your freedom is dependent on what you choose to allow to get rooted in your heart. It's on you. It's not on them. I know that it's different in our blame everybody else for my problems culture. But I'm just giving you some real talk today because you need some real talk. Because I want you to have a life that's built to last. And so how do we get out of the trap? I want to give you three things that are super practical. It's going to be different than what you think because I, I know in church the, the, the tendency is to just go, just forgive them, right? That's, that's really easy. It's awesome to tell you what to do but not how to do it. And so I want to give you some practical things on how do you actually forgive people so you can get rid of the root of bitterness in your life. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. If you do this, it's not going to probably happen right away. This is going to be a process where you're going to have to go, man, I choose to forgive. I choose to walk these three steps out over and over and over again on a daily basis. And here's what I promise you. As you do that over time, when you interact with that person, you won't have those same feelings anymore. The times that you go to that place where that, play, that, that transgression place, you won't have the same feelings you always had. You won't have the same reactions. You want to know why? Because little by little, the Holy Spirit will begin to heal your heart. And daily, he'll heal you a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'm telling you, there is complete freedom available to all of us because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you can have freedom in this journey of life. It may take a little bit. It may be a journey. But I promise you, God can bring you total freedom. So three things really quick. Number one, remember that we have been forgiven. You have to remember that we have been Forgiven. It may seem like an odd place to start, but it gets you in the right mindset and it sets your heart upright. It'd be really easy for me to go like, hey, let me walk you through the conversation you need to have. But I think you're mature enough to go have the conversation with somebody that you need to have that you've been holding something against and go, you know what? I, I, I'm so sorry. I've been holding something against you. Would you forgive me for hinder, holding this in my life against you? I'm talking about how do we get your heart ready? And how we do that is you have to remember how much you have been forgiven by God in life. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. If this doesn't describe the last two years, I don't know what verse does. Like, right? We have more people that are frustrated and angry at each other. And we got all of this stuff going on. This is what God says. He says, be put away from you along with malice. Then he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted forgiving one another and how do we do it he says as god and christ forgave you so we got to get to this place where we're not so haughty and we're not so proud that we forget how much we've been forgiven like why in the world would we be stingy 
with our forgiveness when the God of the universe who did not need me, did not have anything that I could bring to him, looked down on me and my mess and said, you know what? I've got a solution to your problem. I've got something for you, and it's my son Jesus. It's the greatest gift you could ever experience. He's going to come to the earth. He's going to pay the ultimate price, and his blood shed on the cross is going to wash away every single sin that you have so you can experience forgiveness. Listen, church, there should be a humility that enters our heart. And when we go, God, look at all that you've done for me. Like, how much you've forgiven me. Like, I was running from you. Like, I was trying to live my own way. And you pursued me with a passionate love. And you showed up and you said, man, I'm going to take your sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to forgive you. Like you saw how I talked about the people that you created in your image and you forgave me. You saw all the thoughts that were in my mind that if we threw up on the screen would be the most embarrassing moment of my life. And yet you forgave me. Sometimes we just have to pause for a moment and not be so religious. Look at me, church. You are a sinner saved by grace. Like where in the world would you be without the grace of God in your life? Like what kind of gutter would you be in today if it wasn't for the amazing grace of God that saw you in the midst of your sin and said, man, I'll take care of all that. And I don't think we can ever forget that. And when we keep that perspective, it begins to change our hearts. Number two, we have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you who didn't grow up around church that, that, that really emphasized the Holy Spirit, and so the only, only thing you knew about the Holy Spirit is that it made people do weird things. Like, and when it, people would fall down, they'd always put purple cloths over them. And, and the pastor would always get up and go, give me your money and you'll get a Mercedes. That's all you knew about the Holy Spirit. And, and let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't make anybody weird. People are just weird, period. Just saying. The Holy Spirit is the divine power that we need to live this Christian walk. That's why some of you are so frustrated with religion because you're trying to live a supernatural life with natural power and it is impossible. You need the power of the Holy Spirit and when you say yes to Jesus, the seal of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and you have access to the power. And listen, there's way more than that, but that's the starting pot, spot. And some of you grew up in churches where the Holy Spirit was not evident. You had the Trinity, the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. We didn't invite the Holy Spirit in because the Holy Spirit might make you raise hands, and we didn't want none of that. If the Holy Spirit came, somebody might bring a tambourine, and we didn't want none of that. And so what we did is we eliminated the role of the Holy Spirit, but you cannot live a life that you need to live without the power of the Holy Spirit living evidently inside of you, church. You're going to need him. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, The Spirit of God, same power we're talking about, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of you. Like, why are some of you guys walking with your heads down? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is right inside of you. 
You need to tap into that power. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. I want to encourage some of you, you guys want out of the trap. You've got to remember how much God has forgiven you and the amazing grace that, that he has put into your life. But you also got to start depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. And it starts with something just as simple as, Holy Spirit, help me. Like you don't know how many times in my life I've prayed that prayer. Holy Spirit, help me. I need wisdom going into this meeting. Holy Spirit, help me. I need you to get them to come down in the price in Jesus' name. Like, I just like, I need him for everything. And for some of you, it may be new for you, but I'm just challenging you to begin to take a baby step forward in this area because I know you have hurt, I know you have pain, you have offense that you've carried for so long, and you might just need to pray, Holy Spirit, help me, because I can't do this by myself. It's a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, help me. And here's the promise from God. If you ask for the Holy Spirit's help, he'll show up and he'll help you. Jesus actually described him as our helper. It's actually what he wants to do in your life. And some of us have been ignoring the third person of the Trinity for so, far too long. Then number three you got to pray for God's best in their life. And this is where the rubber meets the road because some of you are like, mm, I'm not really sure about that one, Pastor. Or you're like, I've been praying for them all right. I've been praying psalms over their life. Like, like God dashed their head against the stones and kill them. God, get them fired from their job. <laughs> Help them to blow out a knee on the next play. Whatever, it, like those are not the prayers I'm talking about here. And I'm not saying that this is easy. I'm just telling you that it's critical. Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 6, he says this. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Which honestly is so countercultural to our day and age. Today, we, you got an enemy, you're supposed to hate them more. And Jesus goes, no, 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 I'm changing the game. I'm flipping the script right here. You got an enemy, here's what I need you to do. I need you to love your enemies. Then he says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. Like this is going to be like a one-off scripture. There can't be anything else. No, no, no. Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, this is what he says. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them what are you kidding me Paul Paul's like nah I was shipwrecked I was falsely accused I was beaten I was imprisoned every city I walked in haters followed along hating all the way hate hate Hate, hate, hate. And my response to all the hate, to all the pain, to all the shame was, I'm going to pray for them. I'm not going to curse them. You're like, 
Why? Because it's the way of Jesus. Let's never forget that when all of humanity had turned their back on Jesus and forgotten all the miracles and forgotten all the great things and put him up on a cross as he looked down on all the brokenness of this world as the very people who nailed him to the cross are before him, what was his prayer? Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Like, they don't get it. Pastor, that's crazy. You want me to pray for them? Yeah. And here's what will happen every time you pray for that person. This thing that's been holding you down will begin to lift a little bit. Every time you pray that prayer, God bless them. God, meet them right where they are. God, heal their heart. God, give them your grace. Give them your mercy. Let them experience the life that I'm experiencing. I'm not saying that you condone what they did. I'm not saying that you're building the relationship back with them. I'm not telling you it's going to change the past. But what I am telling you is that it's going to free you from the trap that you've been locked into for far too long. It might feel weird at first praying that prayer, but I'm just telling you that as you begin to pray those prayers, it will begin to change you and change the perspective. You're not going to look at them through the same viewpoint that you used to view them. And what you'll find is that as you pray and as it lifts, you'll discover that who the sun sets free, little by little, is free indeed. And church, honestly, man, I've been praying for you guys all day because I know that there's many of you that you've been trapped for far too long in bitterness, in unforgiveness. And I've been praying that today would be the day that you would say no more. That today would be the day that the chains that have held you down for so long would begin to fall off. That the, the bitterness that has been rooted down would begin to be uprooted in your life. And I, I believe that you're going to have to take a starting point here at some point. And today is not a better day than it to be your starting point. And so we have to remember the goodness of God and how he's forgiven us from all of the mess that's in our life. And we have to say, Holy Spirit, help me today. Help me today and every day again and again and again. And for some of you, listen, I know that you've been hurt so bad and it's so deep in your life and it goes so down far that you're like, man, all I can muster is, is, is like, God bless them. And I'm just telling you to start with that. Like, just start with God, bless them. 
And I promise you, as you start praying that prayer, it'll move from God bless them to God move in their life. God, start to let them experience your grace. God, let them start to experience your mercy. God, help them to be redeemed and restored and renewed and transformed. God, help them to experience your hope and healing that I've experienced in my life. Help them to find the freedom that God wants for everybody because the, who the Son sets free and He set me free has made me free indeed. And I want them to experience some freedom. And that's what God wants for every one of us. Because we can't build relationships that are built to last if there's a root of bitterness inside of us that's got us trapped. And I believe that today, for many of us, it's the day for us to begin to walk in freedom. So with every head bowed and every eye closed at every location, I believe that this is going to be a holy moment between you and God. And you know the situation that you're in because the moment I said, man, we're going to talk about unforgiveness and bitterness, the name popped in your mind. The face was right in your imagery. The person or the people came up before you. And you've been trapped for way too long. And I believe that today, Today is going to be your day. Right where you're seated, maybe you would start the journey of allowing your heart to be healed. And say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me right where I am. Holy Spirit, help me. I can't do this on my own. In fact, maybe there's... If you'd be really honest with yourself, you would say, there's nothing inside of me that even wants to do this, but I no longer want to be trapped, and I refuse to be trapped. Holy Spirit, help me. Maybe in this moment, the, God would begin to adjust your heart by saying, God, bless them. For some of you here today, it isn't about you giving forgiveness for some of you it's about receiving forgiveness in life it's the forgiveness of God maybe when I was talking about how much God has forgiven us you thought to yourself like I've never experienced that in my life I've never received that incredible gift I still feel the weight and the guilt and the shame and the heaviness of the sin that's in my life. And I, I want you to know that today you don't have to experience that. The Bible says that we all have sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God, which means we've all made mistakes. The Bible also says that the wages of our sin, the cost of our sin, the repercussions of our sin is death. It's what we should all experience because of our mistakes and our mess-ups, but... It also says the gift of God, like God has a gift for every single one of us, is eternal life. It's the forgiveness of our sins. It's the reuniting of relationship with God that He so desires for every single one of us. And so God, in His love for you, in the middle of your mess, sent His one and only Son to shed His blood on the cross so that you could experience forgiveness today. And here's what I know is that what God wants from you is He wants you to put 
your trust in him and see all of us are trusting in something a lot of us are trusting in our past and the bitterness and the anger and the rage and god's just asking you to exchange where you're putting your trust and maybe today you need to exchange where you've had your trust and you need to go god i surrender to you it says if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that jesus is lord that we will be saved that we can experience this incredible gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life with god and maybe today you need to make that act of faith where you go god i surrender my will i surrender my way for the first time or the first time in a long time if that's you on the count of three i'm going to ask you to, to just make this act of faith by lifting up your hand one two three go ahead and lift your hand up yes i see you thank you four five where else six i see you over there thank you sir seven eight yes anybody else I ask that you pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud and say, God, thank you for loving me in the middle of my mess. God, that you would make a way where there was no way by sending your one and only son to come to this earth and live the life that I could not attain and die a death that every single one of us deserved. God, I ask you to forgive me of my, my sin, my past. Begin to move in my heart. Change me from the inside out. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. God, the things that I've been holding on to, I let go of and I release to you today. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to do what I can't do. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your goodness and your mercy. God, I surrender everything to you. God, I pray for every other person that's in this room here today. As they're dealing with different things that... that they would recognize the amazing gift of forgiveness that they've received, God, and that they would, they would surrender to your Holy Spirit, that they would actually go, God, Holy Spirit, help me today. And that as we bless those who have persecuted us, God, that you'd begin to heal us and free us from the trap that has kept us from the freedom that you want all of us to experience. God, we thank you for the forgiveness and the freedom that we're going to walk in out of here today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.